Remain standing for the reading of God's word, and you may be seated. Good morning, church. Uh, as you guys know, uh, Caleb is not here, and I did not think that hit me that hard until the scripture was not printed out for me. So I have the original version here. Today's scripture reading is from Mark chapter 9, verses 33 through 37. They came to Capernaum. When he was in the house, he asked them, What were you talking about on the road? But they kept quiet because on the way they had argued about who was the greatest. Sitting down, Jesus called the twelve and said, If anyone wants to be first, he must be the very last and the servant of all. He took a little child and had him stand among them. Taking him in his arms, he said to them, Whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me does not welcome me, but the one who sent me. It was printed, but it was with me, so that's <laughs> You know, I, I don't care what time you get here in the morning on Sunday morning, you can never get everything done. I always say I come early to get my stuff done so that then, you know, I can talk to people and everything when they get here. But this morning and other mornings, there's just other things to do. And so here's your, here's your paper tongue. Did you a lot of good, I can tell. So this morning we are, um, we're going to take a look at this thought of not will, but not your, not my will be, not my will, but yours be done. As we think about this in our lives, and uh, humility is a topic that I think that we we struggle with in our world today, in our lives today. Humility is tough. It's tough to be humbled when we're being beat upon, when when uh, life is rough, and there are lots of trials and lots of things coming at our way. We try to do our best. We try to stand for ourselves. We try to stand for the Lord. And so many times in our lives, that causes pressure to, to be put upon us. It causes trials for us. And sometimes it, it really hurts us. And so it, it's, there's a, it causes us to have a struggle to be humble. Um, I always remember the song growing up on Saturday night on Hee Haw. Oh, Lord, it's hard to be humble when, when I'm perfect in every way. <laughs> and... Uh, what a sh I guess there was fewer watching that than I thought on Saturday night. Uh, but that was a very, uh, very much a, a struggle for us, I think, to, because we want to present ourselves as having it all together and perfect and, and ready to go. But in fact, we are not. We are not perfect. And we need to be more humble about our imperfections, and we need to be more humble even about our perfections, the things where we're very good in life. Humility, uh, as the slide says, is knowing and accepting and being who we are while demonstrating modesty about our accomplishments and gifts, admitting mistakes and valuing others for who they are and for their input. It's a very, very nice uh, definition of, of humility. And today we're going to look at two different folks in the Bible. We're going to look at Moses and we're going to look at Peter. And we're going to take, uh, take some time and look at their, um, their ability to not be humble uh, 
or to be overly humble, in some cases, their, their humility. Um, when we think about these two and what we're going to look at, um, both Moses and Peter had this little argument with God in disagreement. Uh, I, I won't ask you to raise your hands, but how many of you have had some arguments with God over what he asked you to do? Of course, Kevin raises his hand. <laughs> it's an everyday thing, and most of us probably could raise our hand. But when we, when we think about God's will, when we think about what he wants for us, arguing with God is illogical because God is God. He's omniscient. Uh, help me. Yes, he's that. And omnipotent. I even spelled it out phonetically so I could, could get it. But he's ruler of heaven. He's, he's all-knowing. He's all-powerful. He knows everything from the beginning to the end. His ways are higher than mine, and this means I don't often understand his plans or his purposes. When God's plans are higher than ours, we struggle with understanding the purpose. We don't understand when we lose a job. We don't understand when we lose a child. We don't understand when we lose something that is very meaningful for us. Meaningful for us. And sometimes, as our class said today, and I agree 100%, life is not fair. Sometimes life is just not fair. Um, we have to understand that we are not God. Therefore, our comprehension is extremely limited. I always remember Patrick Mead one time reminding reminding me with a say, all of us with a saying, that he is God and I am not. He is God and I am not. And that's why humility is so important in a Christian walk. It's, it's like remembering that God is God and I am not. Most, it most happens to us when it, we have the eyes, when it's I want, I feel, I hope for, I hurt over, rather than thinking about God. It's all about me. I, I often speak of the the Looney Tunes, where Daffy Duck uh, finally got the pearl. If you remember, he got the pearl, and then the clamshell closes over him as he's saying, it's mine, mine, I'm mine. And it closes over him, and now he's stuck in the ocean in a clam with a pearl. Um, our ways are not his ways, and we lose, we lose our opportunity when we can't get our eyes off of that. We place our judgment in front of God's judgment. And that's when we find our dis ourselves disputing the truth with the one who formed us out of dust. We were formed out of dust by God who created us. And we dispute with him over what we should do and how we should live. His word is true, and his word is in front of us. You and I forget that God does a better job of taking care of me and we than we do. And it's dumb to argue with God, and yet that's what we do. I want to take a look at Moses. First of all, uh, the story of Moses in the burning bush. If you want to turn to Exodus chapter 3, I'm going to read some of this and then, uh, and then we'll talk about it a little bit. Moses chapter 3, starting with verse 1. It says, Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There was an angel of the Lord appeared to him in the flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that, uh, that though the bush was on fire, it didn't burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over there and see this strange sight of why the, the bush doesn't burn up. Verse 4, when the Lord saw, uh, when the Lord saw that he had gone, gone over to look, uh, God called him to the, uh, from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. 
Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for this place you're standing on is holy ground. And then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And at this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I indeed have seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I, I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land into, into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, Perzites, uh, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Uh, and, and now, verse 9, and now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now, verse 10, so now, go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But, <laughs> Moses was crying as well. So verse 10 uh, so verse 11, but Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Israel? God said in verse 10, I am sending you. Verse 12, and God said, I will be with you, and this will be your sign that it, that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of, Is, out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. And Moses said, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me, and they ask me, what, what is his name? What, then what shall I say? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent you. God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, has sent me to you. This is my name forever. The name you shall call me from generation to generation. Moses is a great leader of the Israelites, but God chose him to lead his people to freedom. God's law has given, was given through his hands. But, and, and at the end, Moses showed great faith in him. But Moses also was arguing with God about who should go and, and why he, it was him that should go. The God of heaven appears to a simple shepherd. He speaks through a burning bush to one of his creations. God commissions Moses to, to do an amazing job that, he will, that will define much of human history. And what is Moses' response? They were excuses. Moses claimed to not speak well. He asked, how will the Israelites know him? He says, how will Pharaoh ever listen? And Moses repeatedly tells God that his plan is bad. Do you ever do that? Do we ever have excuses? Do we ever have excuses for God, what God wants us to do, how he wants us to live? I can't speak well. I don't, I don't, I don't like speaking in public. I can't pronounce omnipotent, omnipotent, whatever that word is, all-knowing, and yet I'm still here. <laughs> um, we just think about that, but God picked Moses. God picked him. And Moses says, not so, Lord, that will never work. And the man argues with the voice of God coming from a bush that is burning but not consumed. I don't want us to lose the, lose the irony of that bush that was on fire but not being consumed. And yet Moses, curious as why the bush is burning and not consumed, goes and then he hears the voice of God speaking from it. I think we realize 
um, I think we realize that our excuses are ludicrous in the face of God. That our excuses for not following, for not listening, for not obeying, for not standing up when we should, are ludicrous in the face of God. But God, because God promises us that he will stand beside us. He promises that he will do amazing things with us if we just listen and obey. Um, he simply forgets who is boss. He loses sight of, hum of humility. Moses puts his doubts and fears above his trust in God. And Moses, uh, Moses' ways are higher than God. He thinks his ways are better. And you cannot serve two masters. Here, Moses picks to serve his own emotions rather than God. How many of us have, have done that? How many of us have, from time to time, chosen our own way, our own emotions over what God is calling before us? But thankfully, God is patient with Moses. He allows him to learn humility over the years and leading the Israelites. The second person I want us to take a look at quickly is Peter. We look at Peter and we, we hear his story and uh, we... Um, I love the humanity. I've always loved the humanity of Peter, of his, of just being real. And in the, the series, The Chosen, if you've had an opportunity to see some of those, you see Peter, um, kind of how I've always pictured Peter, just, uh, you know, a fisherman, somebody who's kind of wiry, kind of ready to go, ready to fight, ready to, to serve, but then putting his, putting his mouth before his, uh, enacting his mouth before his uh, brain sometimes gets him in trouble as maybe some of us as well. Um, so in, in Acts chapter 10, we're going to take a look here. Um, Cornelius, uh, God spoke to Cornelius and asked him to send for Peter. And so Peter was, uh, Cornelius was a, uh, a centurion. He was known, his family was known for doing great things for God. And, and the angel actually says um, of in verse 3 and 4, it says, or verse 4, it says, Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? And the angel said, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come as a memorial offering before God. And now send for Peter. We want, I want you to get Peter. But during this time, Peter had a vision. And I would like you to follow in Acts chapter 10, starting with verse 9. Acts chapter 10, starting with verse 9. It says, about noon on the following day, as they were on their journey approaching the city, Peter went up to the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted, and wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. And he saw heaven open and something like a large sheet being let down to earth uh, by, by its four corners. It contained all, the kinds of, all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles and birds. Then a voice told him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. Uh, Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice of the Lord spoke to the second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times. And immediately the sheet was taken back up to heaven. While Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, the men sent by Cornelius uh, found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. They called out asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. And while Peter was thinking about the vision, the, the spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you. So get up, go downstairs, do not hesitate with them, for I have sent them. Peter went down and said to them, I am, I am the one you're looking for, why have you come? And the re men replied that we have come from Cornelius the centurion, he's a righteous, God-fearing man. 
He was respected among all the Jewish people. A holy angel told him uh, for you to come to his house so he could hear what you have to say. Then Peter invited the men into the, to the house as guests. So uh, God was trying to share with Peter, show Peter uh, this, this sheet of animals. And it says three times. Three times God was, was trying to share with him that these animals are clean for you to eat, that these are okay. And more, more than that, he was, he was showing that God was opening the, his word and his will and his power to all peoples, not just the Jews. But, he w- but Peter was not wanting to go. Peter was not wanting to, to jump in on this, this plan, uh, but he did. And great things happened. Let's look at verse... Um, Verse 23, Um, it says, The next day Peter started out with them, and some of the believers from Joppa went along. The following day they arrived at Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence. But Peter made him get up. Stand up. I am only a man myself. While talking with him, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people, and he said to them, you are well aware it is our law for a, for a, a Jew to associate with a, uh, let's, let me start that over, verse 28. He said to them, you are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate or visit a Gentile. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without raising objection. May I ask why you have sent me? And Cornelius answered, Three days ago I was on my house praying, and suddenly a man in shining clothes stood before me and said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayer, remembered your gifts to the poor, and send a Joppa for Peter, who is called Simon, and bring him to you. And he says, Now we are all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. Here was Peter's opportunity. He probably had no idea what the opportunity was, but here was Peter's opportunity to, sell, to, to share the gospel with not only Cornelius, but to all the people that he had gathered, because he was a God-fearing man, and he did many things to, to serve God, and he was known in his community and, and in, in the regiment. But Peter, Peter had to be convinced to go. Peter had to be convinced to go, and once he got there, he realized that the opportunity through the, through the vision, through, the, uh, through God speaking to him, he realized what this opportunity was about to reach out to these people. Peter learned obedience and humility the hard way. He argues with Jesus in the Gospels and is rebuked. He doubts the plan, uh, Jesus' plan is proved wrong. He doubts and betrays Jesus and restored. He should have humility down pat by now, but since He's just a man like us. And who knows what else. Anyway. So Peter should have been humbled by now, but, he, but God gave him that vision so that he could eat any food he wants. And he wanted, he wanted to follow the law. He wanted to follow what God wanted him to do. But God changed 
God was trying to show him this new way. Peter would say, not so, Lord, but Peter, Peter accepted the challenge and did it. Do you think Peter set out to oppose God's plan of redemption? I don't think so. I think Peter was trying to do what he was taught. I think he was trying to, to live by the standards he had been brought up by and what he thought God, Christ was trying to share with him. And, and Peter was simply a heavily, he was uh, heavily emotionally invested in Judaism. He loves the law, he loves the life that's defined by rules and regulations in Moses. And he was attached to that. And Jesus was changing that. And his comfort level became in conflict with that. So Peter was not in denial of, of what God wanted him to do. It was just a conflict within himself. And he had to humble himself to change. How many of us like change? <laughs> Nobody likes change, especially when it's different from what we're used to and been a part of, and it makes it tough. Let's, let's look at these last, uh, the verses that Tommy read for us a few minutes ago. Um, who is the greatest? If anyone wants to be first, he must be, uh, very, he must be the very last and servant of all. Um, they came to Capernaum, when he was in the house, he asked them, what were you arguing about on the road? But they kept quiet because on the way they had argued about who was the greatest. Sitting down, Jesus called the 12 and said, anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and servant of all. He took a little child whom he placed among them. Taking the child in his arms, he said to them, whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes, whoever welcomes me does not welcome me but the one who sent me who is the greatest who is the greatest that seems to be our you know the theme in sports the theme in politics and all the different things who is the greatest and Jesus is telling us that the greatest is the servant is the one who serves all and we need to be humble to be a servant it takes somebody humble to pick up trash that belongs to somebody else. It takes somebody humble to come alongside some somebody who's along the road, who's in desperate need of help. Um, there's a uh, picture and a story. Um, the Reeser family, uh, who run the Jordan's Crossing that, that we speak of often, and we serve there. And um, There's a picture of the daughter was going down Broad Street, and there was... Uh, she saw some people sitting along the curb, uh, along the side of the sidewalk, and she realized the one of the cars was her mom's car. And so she drove by, or she thought it was her mom's car, but she drove by and she took a, saw her mom sitting along the road talking with one of their friends that visit them at the center. And the woman was in tears and Donna was there trying to uh, talk to her, encourage her, and, and bless her. And uh, Jennifer said as she saw that, she took a picture of it. She, as she saw it, she thought of her mom, this influential lady, a uh, lady who does a lot to serve others, was now sitting along the side of Broad Street, serving this woman in a beautiful way. And Jennifer said it brought tears to her eyes. As I read the story, it made me, uh, made me think about the opportunities that we have that we don't take advantage of. Um, 
sometimes because we're too busy, sometimes because we're too, uh, we think we're too good, or, we're, or maybe we think we're not worthy. Maybe we think we're not worthy to, or uh, uh, capable of handling whatever the situation is. There's a song that um, I've come to uh, appreciate and love very, 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 very much. And um, I want to share it this morning. It's, it's, it's called, uh, Yet Not I, But Christ in Me. And this song reminds, reminds us that it is not us doing these things. That is because of Christ in us, because of us being Christians, we have the opportunity to let Christ use us as a vessel of his service, of his love, of his purposes here on this earth. And when I hear, hear this song, it reminds me that it's not me. It is not me who, are, who is doing this, and it's not you who are doing these things for the Lord. It's Christ within us, allowing us to be his vessel to do so. I encourage you to take a minute and to listen to this, um, to listen to this, and we'll finish up in just a minute. gift of grace is Jesus my Redeemer. There is no more for heaven now to give. He is my joy, my righteousness and freedom. My steadfast love, my deep and boundless peace. To this I hold my hope is only Jesus, for my life is wholly bound to His. Oh, how strange and divine I can sing, all is mine, yet not I, but through Christ in me. The night is dark. Forsaken 
not mean for it to be that loud. That's how I play it at the house. <laughs> that song is very powerful in, in so many ways. Um, but to realize when my race is complete, my lips still will repeat that it's not I but Christ in me. And that's how we can have the humility in our lives to, to make the difference that God wants us to do, to let Christ live within us. Humility is vitally important in the Christian life. I cannot serve the one who desires it, uh, desires to bless me without it. I cannot serve God without, the, without humility. I cannot let the things of the flesh die if I am proud of them. His ways are higher than mine. If I want his ways, therefore I cannot have mine. So what about you? Are you arguing with God and not even realizing it? Are you acting like a servant or the master? Like Moses, is God telling you to do something and you finding every reason that, that it just won't work? Or like Peter, are you so attached to what you are comfortable with that you can't find the better path to take by Jesus? Humility is something that uh, we, we, we long for, something we need in our lives. Uh, um, as I was preparing for Judy's uh, funeral service, I, I love to look through the Bibles of people that I'm preparing to, to serve uh, for their service. And in her Bible, there was this, this uh, uh, paper that had, it was called the Litany of Prayer. And uh, I thought, and Diane reminded me of it last night, and I felt like it would be a perfect way to end our, our time to this morning. So if you'll listen, listen, listen as I share it. It says, O oh Jesus, meek and humble of heart, hear me from the desire of being esteemed. Deliver me, Jesus, from the desire of being loved. Deliver me, Jesus, from the desire of being extolled. Deliver me, Jesus, from the desire of being honored. Deliver me, Jesus, from the desire of being praised. Deliver me, Jesus, from the desire of being preferred to others. Del deliver me, Jesus, from the desire of being consulted. Deliver me, Jesus, from the desire of being approved. Deliver me, Jesus, from the fear of being hum humiliated. Deliver me, Jesus, from the fear of being despised. Deliver me, Jesus, from the fear of, being, of suffering rebukes. Deliver me, Jesus, from the fear of being forgotten. Forgive, for, uh, deliver me, Jesus, from the fear of being ridiculed, from the fear of being wronged. Deliver me, Jesus, from the fear of being suspected. That others may be loved more than I, Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it, that others may be esteemed more than I, that in the opinion of the world, others may increase and I may decrease, that others may be chosen and I set aside, that others may be praised and I unnoticed, that others may be preferred to me in everything, that others may become holier than I, provided that I may become holy as I should. At the end of that service, we all looked at each other and said that was truly what Judy tried to live. And I believe that's what the message wraps up today for us, is that we put others ahead of ourselves, that we put God above all, 
and that we let Christ live in us so that we can be who he wants us to be. That we let him guide us, that we know he will be beside us, that we know that he will push us when needed to help us understand that it is he who is living in us. And he will guide us all the way through. I pray, I pray for all of us that we can have that humble spirit of humility. That we can serve, that we can listen to God, that we won't argue with God. And I think, I think in class we, 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 we spoke about arguing with God a little bit. Or, or at least sh uh, shouting our disdain for some things that happen in our lives. Our disappointments. And I, don't think, I think God's big enough he can handle that. But are we big enough to let God in and let him do what he will ha do with us? That's the real question. So I encourage you this day. I realize the majority, 99% of the folks here today are, are God's children already. I encourage us to, to humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift us up. And for, the, for those who may not be a child of God at this point, my, my encouragement to you is that you would see your purpose and that Christ would live in you, that you would humbly serve him and that he would be your God and that you would serve him all your days. Wherever you stand in, in those uh, situations this morning, I encourage you to prayerfully consider your humility and your humbleness before, this, before God and, and your service to him. And pray that God would use you in extraordinary ways. And as we said earlier, those extraordinary ways might be something very, very simple as taking food to somebody in need or a smile on, on your face to others. It might be that simple. Or it might be as big as you can imagine. Let God work in you. Be his servant. Be his person. Do what he wants you to do. And his work will be done. If you have a need to respond to the gospel this morning, please uh, make it known while we stand and sing.